You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 143 called EdTech Tools and Updates for the Start of the School Year. In this episode, we'll check out some of our favorite new EdTech tools and some updates to some old favorites. We're sharing some of our favorite EdTech choices for the start of this new school year. So this is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. So we're back with episode 143. This will be our next to last episode before we get back into the swing of things back in school. I can't believe that the time this summer has flown by so quickly. Yeah, it's in it's insane. It's gone it's gone so fast. Um, I know both of us are gearing up for vacation, and by the time we're back, it's gonna be. I mean, it's gonna be time to record our next episode. It's gonna be time to start getting into. Um, I mean, thinking about in a, within a few weeks, getting back into the classroom, getting back into the media center. I know we're doing lots of teacher trainings sort of starting mid-August. So that'll be cool as a way to dip our, our toes back in the water there. But um, yeah, it is what it is. And we're, and we're here putting it together today. I know a lot of the stuff for this episode, we didn't include it in the title, but I'll just kind of share. A lot of the things that we're going to share actually came from this year's ISTE conference, which was right by us. You know, as of as we're recording this, it's been about four weeks, maybe longer than that, uh, since the conference. So it feels like it's been a while. But that is where we um, where we got a lot of this stuff. The people we t- talked to, the things we liked, a lot of the updates as we were walking around talking to you know people who actually work for and have created the tools that we feature on our show all the time. It's a great way to find out new information. So that's that's sort of where this episode, a lot of it came from. Not everything. I don't know about you, man, but I had, a, I had a great time. It was a really excellent conference this year. Yeah, I had a lot of fun catching up with people that we haven't seen since before COVID. You know, that that was one of my favorite things, just the being able to reconnect with people that we talked to a lot before the pandemic and just being able to kind of get out there and see what else is going on, all the new things, all the new updates to EdTech Tools. I know a couple of the biggest themes this year was social emotional learning and AI and the integration of artificial intelligence into the classroom. Uh, a lot of the the edtech tools that will probably make it out of this. I know this. It's almost like uh, in science when we teach mass extinctions. There's an event that causes a mass extinction, and I see AI being added to the mix is basically. You know, the after effects of, or maybe the beginning, it's the meteor hitting, you know, Earth or the Ice Age or something like that to a lot of these ed tech tools and practices that we use in our classrooms. So I compare AI coming into the mix is um, it's going to be the die off of some older tools that aren't getting the changes that they need, the facelift that they need in order to stay relevant. And I think it's also going to spring out uh, this, you know, quick evolutionary period where new ed tech tools arise from that are AI based. 
And I think that's what's going to happen. I'm excited to see who who makes out. Yeah, and you know, you'll you guys are going to hear some stuff in this episode where um, I think the the tools that survive this uh, extinction event, like you're talking about, great analogy by the way. Um, I think they're going to be the ones that figure out how to incorporate AI, which uh, is a lot of the, maybe not a lot, but some of the updates that we're going to share um, are not new tools, but new additions. I'll even go so far as to say very exciting new additions to some of our old favorites. Um, that was some of the coolest stuff that we brought out of that conference, along with just a quick teaser for everybody. Um, I don't know if you saw any sessions while you were there, but I sat in on a couple, one of them. Uh, it's from a guy called uh, named Matt Miller. I'm sure if you listen to our show, you know who Matt Miller is. Uh, if you don't, just give him a Google. He's got tons of great stuff. Uh, he did a session in particular that I want to just tease because I'm going to use it as the inspiration for one of our upcoming episodes. It's all about video in the classroom and using, uh, you know, basically doing video projects that your students complete. But, um, man, he had some very, very unique takes on video in the classroom. And um, I'm not going to obviously take Matt's ideas, but it's just some of the stuff that I heard in there really got my uh, juices flowing when it comes to creativity. So you can expect that uh, in one of our upcoming episodes. I also wanted to give a shout out to Quizzes for a really awesome post-conference meetup. They invited some people out after the conference, and uh, we got to talk to some really great people there, including our old friend Kyle Nemus. Uh, actually, that informed one of the things we're going to be sharing today. One of the things I'm most excited to share today, we learned at that meetup, which was super cool. So that was that's kind of like my, I guess that's my ISTE recap. Yeah, let me just start off by addressing your first comment, which was uh, Matt Miller's presentation. I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to go see him because he's one of those educators uh, and presenters in a, in a room full of people that can really ignite some great ideas and motivate teachers to do things outside of their comfort zones. I would have loved to see that. Um, but, you know, I got to see him in Philadelphia the last time, Misty, uh was in Philadelphia, and he was just amazing then, and he's a great guy. If you see him out on the floor and you ask them, you know, a question, he'll take time to address any questions. And I've, I've seen him do that numerous times with uh, people out on like the expo floor and things like that. During uh, Matt's presentation, I was with uh, Stephanie Howe. Uh, I was filling in for Tara Ruckman, who is an awesome educator from Ohio. Uh, her and Steph um, wrote the book, Control the Chaos. And... Sarah couldn't make it, so I stepped in just so uh, Steph could get a little breather because she did something like 15 different presentations during SD. She She's a trooper, a rock star. And, uh, you know, um, I was really bummed I didn't get to see Tara because she's also a rock star. And she's a lot of fun to be around, and I enjoy her company a lot. But I got to step in. I, got, I gave Steph, uh, you know, a break or two during her presentation. Uh, if you don't know her book, Control the Chaos, and you have some of those uh, students in your class that might need, a, you know, some differenti differentiated learning instruction, uh, you might want to go over to Control the Chaos uh, website and check that out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, going with you, we had a, a lot of tech companies approach us and talk to us, um, just saying thanks for, for the shout out. Uh, on the podcast, things like that. But we got overwhelmed with, uh, you know, 
the support that these companies gave us. Uh, they gave us a couple of links to hand out during our presentations, uh, just as like uh, a thank you for mentioning their name in the uh, at the EdTech Throwdown, which was our presentation. And uh, it, it was really, really, really cool because for the first time in a long time, probably because of COVID, we felt, you know, this whole full circle effect where our goal is just to present things to teachers, give them the resources and the, and the knowledge of these ed tech tools, ed tech strategies and whatnot. And then, you know, show these tools off. And, and now that these companies are saying, hey, we see what you're doing. It's awesome. Here's something that you could give to your listeners or your people that view your presentation. I just feel like it's a, a nice full circle thing. We don't get hired by any of these companies. We just enjoy what we do. And, and that's why we're here. So um, I had a blast at ISTE. I thought uh, some of the things that we, we saw were really, really cool and really, really innovative. And uh, we got to meet a lot of different people. I will say this, I, I did recognize uh, if anyone has ever seen a Savannah Bananas uh, baseball game, the uh, the umpire, the dancing umpire was there. I did challenge him to a dance-off when they come to Trenton. I did that mostly because you can't get tickets for them. They sell out right quick, and I figure if he had me there for a home plate dance-off in between innings, I could at least go and watch the game. But, uh, you know, a lot of fun, random experiences along the way as well. Oh man, I can't wait to see how <laughs> how, the, how that goes down. It, it, and you're right, it was so cool. Uh, we got to meet a lot of fans there too, just kind of walking around, uh, chatting it up with people. So it was a great experience. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. Maybe one of the best things about that experience is this list of uh, tools and updates that we're about to bring to this episode. I'm going to kick into that. If it's cool with you, um, we didn't we didn't number these. We do a lot of episodes that number everything, so I can't tell you how many things we're going to share. I'm just going to dive straight into it and talk about the first two tools on the list. Both of these came out of our conversations with people uh, on the expo floor of that conference. And the first one is called Snappet, S-N-A-P-P-E-T. I can't speak from personal experience on this one because Snappet is a K-5 math tool. And I'm a high school chemistry teacher, so this is not my wheelhouse. But after checking it out, it does seem like uh, something that is really cool, worth sharing, and just talking to the Snappet people. If you are a teacher in the elementary grades and you're interested in a digital resource to sort of help out your math instruction. I snap it to me looks like one of the ways that I would do it. Uh, kind of their whole thing, if you can imagine you're delivering a lesson. And that's what I liked about snap it so much is they first and foremost say, we know how valuable teachers are. We know how important their instruction is and their lessons are. So we don't want to take away from that. We want you to do like just do your math teaching and then in the background alongside that is Snappit that provides, um, you know, these digital resources 
and what they call an adaptive learning technology to um, to support that. So if you can imagine students are sort of answering questions, math questions during your lesson, if you want, after your lesson, if you want, and based on their answers, based on the way they respond and do certain things, um, it sort of provides specific feedback after each thing they do, whether it's right or wrong, it kind of lets them know that. Um, they've got at the, at the beginning of each sort of snap it lesson, there's a, they call them student discovery activities with like simulations to help kids build a, an actual understanding of math concepts. So not just like a squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's the formula, memorize it and know it, but like actually like a visual aid for what that is. Why, why does that work? Why, why is a squared plus B squared equal to C squared? Um, that one in particular, something I didn't really even know myself, but they have this little visual aid with triangles. Uh, and I was like, oh yeah, that's like, like why that works. I can't explain it verbally, but it's just was, was so cool. So the big picture here is real time feedback, adaptive learning that, you know, kids are taught based on what they are doing. And then uh, just lots of flexibility and lots of options. And, um, you know, to me, it looks like a, a no-brainer. They've got all kinds of stats that I'm not going to quote here, but supposedly schools that use Snap-It boast extremely high math scores on their standardized testing. So I would, I would give it a look, elementary teachers out there, um, for Snap-It, S-N-A-P-P-E-T. I'm also going to talk straight away about another another one. Um, uh, I'm going to call it Alley, although I apologize to this company if that's not how you're intended to say it. It is an acronym, Alexandria Learning Ecosystem for Educators, A-L-E-E, -E, or Alley. I can't comment about this one from personal experience either because this is an instructional tool um, that provides lesson plans for uh, essentially for reading, right? And, and again, I teach high school chem, so this is not really for me, but seems like a really, really awesome tool. Um, so this, of course, is a, you know, it's a, a tech-based website, but if you go there, it's gonna have just tons of built-in lessons to go along with, and I'm calling them lessons, but that's not really a good word because there's tons of different stuff um, to go along with any book that your students are reading. So let's say you have your students in your English class read The Great Gatsby. And I'm sure you've got all kinds of really interesting stuff lined up to do with them while they're reading that book. Um, but you probably probably would want to check out something like ALEE -E because they have just all sorts of things to go along with that. Um, what I like about it is a lot of their content is scaffolded, so it's sort of built out in that way. Um, they have a, an entire built-in library of books just within the website as well, which is super cool. Um, they, are, they are not a curriculum, so you're not going to go there and find that, which for me is nice. I don't always want you know, some other website's version of a curriculum, which is good. But uh, they have just specific lessons that could like fit in with really any curriculum. Everything is searchable by standard, and um, it just looks like a really, really great spot to... I mean, if you want to have kids do the reading, uh, but mostly it seems like a great spot to uh, sort of support the reading that kids are doing with these different lessons and activities. You know, if you're worried that they're going to have what you're looking for, um, they have 
all the books, at least at a high school level that I know students at our school read them. Just looking here at, you know, Animal Farm, uh, Huckleberry Finn, The Scarlet Letter, The Great Gatsby. I already mentioned Their Eyes Were Watching God. I don't know that one, but, you know, it, it's all it's all the big books um, that I, I think are, are going to be worth checking out. So um, those are the first two tools, Snap It and Ali. And, um, you know, I think they're going to be good ones for anyone who teaches those subjects. Yeah, I think those are very awesome resources for people. Um, I'm just going to go into my next couple. Uh, one was just a conversation I had with a couple educators there. And um, there's going to be this online virtual back to school bash uh, conference where there's 50 educators uh, that are pre-recording um, different PDs. They're 20 to 30 minutes long. And uh, this is going to be happening, I believe, August 1st. And then you can access these videos uh, until the end of the school year. So it's it's pretty uh, some some pretty awesome educators that are going to be doing this, um, and some different uh, categories. So there's behavioral support and management. Uh, one I'll highlight there is uh, Mickey Smith Jr. I've seen him uh, just talk to people. Uh, he's a musician. He's an amazing musician. I watched him uh, play saxophone. So that's a good one in that category. Uh, Lindsay Titus is also in there. She uh, has connections to the Teach Better team. Uh, in leadership, um, we have Mike Earnshaw uh, at Ashley Hubner. Uh, those are some well-off names that are connected with uh, leadership. There's mental health and wellness. Uh, our good friend, uh, Joshua Stamper is in with that. Um, school and classroom culture. Uh, there's several, there's uh, about 10 different educators in that one, uh, throwing down some PD there. Uh, instructional strategies and assessment. Uh, David Frangios uh, is in there. Uh, we've uh, talked with him a couple times at a couple different uh, conferences. He's an awesome dude. Uh, reading and literacy and dyslexia support. So there's a lot of uh, students with special needs stuff in here. Uh, the host of one of the hosts of this, Kyle Hill, is in there. Uh, Dana Goodyear, uh, who's um, we've been on her podcast before. Uh, Jillian Du Bois from Mer uh, I believe she's from Florida. She's also in there. And then we have the ed tech um, presenters, which you and I have done too different videos for that category. One all about AI tools, and the other one is a bunch of tech tools. And in there, in our category, is also Debbie Tannenbaum, who was uh, on our podcast before. Um, you have Alfonso Mendoza with My Tech Life, and Chris Nessie with uh, the House of EdTech. So you're getting a lot of quality there, and it's uh, 10 bucks, and you get 50 videos for the duration of the school year. And I've even seen them run a $2 off sale on weekends. So you could probably wait for a weekend and get it for eight bucks. Um, but we found out about this right before we went to SD and I followed up with a couple conversations about this. So I wanted to throw that there to be in the show notes. It's going to be in this list of updates, but that's called uh, the Recharge Virtual Bash. And you can find that at rechargefamily.com. And uh, I think that's an awesome one. So 
If you haven't seen us in one of our EdTech throwdowns and you want to see us, uh, we put together two virtual ones for this recharge virtual uh, bash for educators. So that's uh, my first thing. My second thing uh, I want to talk about is we were out on the ISTE Expo floor and uh, we were going up and down. And one thing that caught me, I caught my eye was uh, puzzles. My kids love puzzles. And uh, one thing that caught my eye was this thing called a stick together puzzle. And I know you were right there with me, you and uh, Jeff Loesch, uh both won one of these. And uh, I went up and I, I, I talked to uh, one of the uh, um, people involved with uh, stick together puzzles. And um, I think uh, she has an amazing story where this was a an example of an idea that wasn't marketed, not really marketed, but it wasn't executed right. And she saw it as an amazing tool, an amazing resource. And she purchased the rights to this uh, puzzle making idea and she's re-releasing it in a way that is pretty amazing. Now, I don't know if you've done anything with yours, but I've done this with all three of my kids. We it comes together. It's these. It's three hundred pieces, I believe, or a hundred pieces. I can't remember. Um, online it says three hundred pieces, but you know, three hundred pieces to me. I don't make puzzles, but I think that that would take me a lot longer than what this did with my kids. Now I have a four, a five, and a eight year old now, and we did we did this. You go download their app, and you take a picture of somebody. So I took one of each one of my kids. And the cool thing is, is these puzzle pieces are reused. And on one side is this icon, right? And on the other side is a pixel of variant shades, color, whatever it may be. It's, uh, you know, some of them are all one color. Some of them are grayscaled. Some of them are whatever. But what you do is with this app, you take the picture and it's going to give you the orientation of the puzzle pieces. Now, on the back of the puzzle pieces are all these different icons. They're different colors, whatever. And when you take your picture, it will make a key. And then you would put those pixel pieces, puzzle pieces, in an order based on whatever the icon is on the back of the puzzle. And after it's all put together, what you do is you flip it over and it's going to give you a pixelated, like silhouette type version of that, that picture. And it's enough that you could make out the person. Like my, my one son, he gave, he gave me a goofy face and I was able to see that goofy face and see his basic outline of his you know head and everything. But it's just really cool because one, they loved it. And the first time we did it, they had no clue what they were going to see when they flipped it over. They were just doing, they were getting all these puzzle pieces, putting them in a, in a way that fit based on the instructions. And then when they flip it over, the expression on the, my kid's face when they saw their own image there, they were amazed. And then we took all the puzzle pieces apart. I printed out my second kid's image that I took through this app. And we did it again, and he was like, it's the same puzzle pieces, but it, it it made Bo, which is my oldest kid's face, and it made my middle kid's face, Boone. Uh, we had to wait a day to do, uh, you know, Briggs's 
face because by then the third one, the youngest one, you know, he, <laughs> he moved he checked, on to something else. <laughs> he checked out. So we waited and a couple of days later we did his, but my thing is, is it, it's something fun for kids to do. I would love to get a couple of these for the media center. Um, you know, during time periods throughout the day where kids can just take a break and, you know, have fun with these things. But this is, this was awesome. In the younger ages, you know, just with my kids, I had my youngest one sort all the uh, the little puzzle pieces by color, you know, the, the icons by color so we could find them easier. And they were grouping things. And there's other lessons within these puzzle pieces that make sense. But I'm telling you, they haven't stopped talking about this puzzle the whole summer. They tell all their friends and... You know, when their friends come over, they're like, can we do this with our friends? And we've done it a couple of times and they have a great time. And it's just it's just a lot of fun. It it might be the coolest thing that we saw there. I think um, I, I may want to make sure to give this company credit. You can go to uh, let's stick They actually have a lot of different products. Uh, the one we're talking about specifically is called Puzzle Face. And it is, uh, you know, as you described, it's so cool that one puzzle can make literally any face or any picture. Um, just a tip tip for you. Um, I, first thing I thought of this was some of your homemade escape the rooms because you could put whatever picture you want, upload it to their website and have it give you that little key, that code, so that the, the kids trying to complete the escape the room are putting this puzzle together. They have to think to flip it over and get some kind of an image that would then be their next clue. I think it's like, uh, you know, made for that. So, so cool. These, uh, let's stick or yeah, let's stick together.com and their, their puzzle face puzzle. Yeah. And I'll throw this out there too. You can reach out to them on Twitter at buy stick together. And I would just go over there and, and check out all the stuff that they have because puzzles are the real deal. And a lot of times, especially for teachers who don't like to incorporate technology, you know, sometimes puzzles are just that thing. It's that right mix of, you know, not using technology in your class versus, you know, just getting together and using something that is tangible. You know, puzzles are awesome and they, they complete that. So check out uh, Stick Together Puzzles. Uh, check out the platform. But um, Puzzle Face is absolutely amazing so wanted to throw that out there i'll do one more um and this one you know i was i was happy about this company for a lot of reasons all right you and i have been talking about this company a lot about why we don't sit down and figure it out more and it really just got down to the dollars and the cents right, for us uh we had a certain amount of of money that we can invest into ed tech tools uh, at our school district. And this is something that we've had, but in limited fashion. All right. And we go to the ISTE conference and they are doing the right thing by adding new AI integration to their already awesome uh, product. All right. So we played around with quizzes before in the past. We've done some things with quizzes before in the past. And we always kept saying that this is a very high quality tool that we wanted to do more with. And between the 
really impressive presentations that were given and how much you could use it with other tools such as like Canva. Kyle Nemus did a presentation on quizzes and app smashing it with Canva with Scott Noons there. That presentation was awesome because you can use Canva to make these awesome graphics uh, for uh, you know any type of meme or whatever you want. And you could use that as feedback images within quizzes. There are other things that you could do between the two that, to app smash them, but that was really cool. And the fact that quizzes keeps coming up with these different uh, question types, assessment form types is also very awesome. So if you don't know what quizzes is, it's it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, almost like a Kahoot, but putting more depth and more detail and more purpose into the questions. And I'm not bashing Kahoot here. Kahoot was one of the founding you know, the founders of this online question, formative assessment types. But I think quizzes is more than that. There's more uh, uses that you could have in there. You could add things into presentations and there's just a lot more that we could get into. But for this update, what I would like to do is talk a little bit about the AI integration. Um, so let's go beyond the formative assessments and the different ways to use quizzes in there. You can go back to previous episodes where we talk about quizzes and I'll link some of those into the show notes if you wanna learn more about quizzes. But picture being able to go in, add materials into questions uh, and then have different types of questioning uh, that your students can work through and getting instant or near instant feedback from these assessments. All right, so that's what we're working with here. But now Quizzes is adding this personal assistant um, that's going to help you, uh, and it's going to serve as the AI integration piece to this. So you could upload a document and ask the personal assistant to make a, a set of quiz questions based on that document. Uh, if you have a student where English is a second language, or maybe you're teaching Spanish or French or something like that, you could ask the personal assistant to translate the quiz into a different language. Uh, you could ask the personal assistant after the students get done with this uh, formative assessment or working with this material, you could ask the personal assistant to identify areas that the students are struggling with. And what it will do is it will go and cipher through the data. And this is probably the coolest thing. And you could ask it to make more questions that will help them review that topic that they struggled with in the content. So for example, we'll go back to trusty photosynthesis for me, because even though I really dislike teaching photosynthesis in the classroom, I use photosynthesis to see if I really enjoy an ed tech tool, because if I could find something that's gonna make photosynthesis more enjoyable for me or for my students, that means it's probably a quality instance that I'm using it. So for me in this, say they're struggling with the light dependent reaction and how it differentiates um, compared to the light independent reaction. It would notice that in the data because all the questions that they struggled with, it would notice that. And then it would take all the things, all those misconceptions that are identified by the data and it will ask more questions. 
in a different way to see if it could help those students put together or piece together what that content is really trying to explain. I don't know if that made any sense whatsoever, but just note, you can add materials, reading materials to quizzes, pull questions out of that, have the students take that assessment, that formative assessment, then the personal assistant based on AI will take all those misconceptions and misunderstandings that, that is being identified by the data and it will restructure questions into new questions that will help the students really uh, understand all the things that they were confused about. Now, if that isn't a great use of AI integration into a tool, I don't know what it is, or I don't know what it is, because that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was amazing, and it's you know it was enough that um, you know our our we kind of pushed for our school to go ahead and purchase a bunch of licenses to this because it was just that good. Um, we watched a YouTube video, or we shared around a YouTube video um, a little bit ago that was called like here's how ridiculously easy it is to make a quizzes quiz or something like that. It wasn't ours. It was from somebody else, but I watched it and it with, especially with this new AI personal assistant, it's just so simple to use and it's a no brainer. So we're going to be doing a lot of quizzes pushing this coming school year. I'm super excited about it. It's also one that the kids seem to like a lot. I mentioned in a previous episode, there's a student at our school who just makes quizzes quizzes and puts them on a website, a Google site that like a ton of kids know about and just use as a study aid. And he just, he's not trying to make money off of this. He's just doing it uh, to like help and, and be nice and help other kids out. But uh, just sort of trying to support how, uh, you know, how popular this quizzes tool actually is. Yeah, I heard about this student and I, I actually asked him why he did it. And he said, by creating the quiz, I learned. And if other people can right. learn from the quiz that I created, then it's a win-win situation. So I thought that was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, like, like, like we both mentioned, quizzes is a very powerful ed tech tool that, you know, I'm a big fan of tools that do things that we need it to do very well. And that's, that's one of them. So why don't we get into your, your next couple here. Yeah, I got two quick ones. Um, this one's called Idea Mapper. And as you can probably guess by the name, it's a mind mapping tool. And I know I bring to the show lots of different mind mapping tools. I know there are tons of different mind mapping tools out there. Um, there's two reasons I'm bringing another one, a different one to this episode. One reason is that this particular mind mapping tool, one, uh, one of the ISTE 2023 Best in Show Awards. So out of the for sure hundreds of different companies that were there trying to capture everyone's attention, a mind mapping tool, Idea Mapper, was one of the best all-around tools. Um, and the reason why is because, I mean, it makes mind maps. Everybody listening to this probably knows what those are. It's a really great one. Maybe it's the best one. Um, they do offer, here's the second reason I'm bringing it. They offer something that I haven't seen other tools like this um, incorporate, which is a presentation feature. So if you create a mind map that, you know, you might just be making one as a study aid for yourself, but you might be trying to make one that you can actually, or ends up being so good, you want to share it. 
um, you can publish these things and use it as an actual presentation tool where it's sort of like flying around and navigating amongst your mind map based on how you click. These can be set up then as almost uh, interactive lessons for your students where they are clicking and navigating around a maybe a mind map that you have created for them. And I thought that was extremely unique and powerful enough for me to, to mention uh, again in this episode. So that's Idea Mapper, my first one. My second one is actually a book. So deviating from the EdTech tool uh, theme of this episode, this is a book that we came across um, at the conference as well. It's called The Complete EdTech Coach. And it's just a really great book because I think a lot of the people that listen to our show are ed tech coaches. And if you're not, if you're a teacher, a classroom teacher full time, then um, chances are you're interested in technology and probably serve sort of a role of an ed tech coach within your school anyway. Um, this is worth taking a look at because it's going to give all kinds of strategies that I wish I knew a couple years ago when I started um being an ed tech coach within my school, uh, plans, ideas, things to try, ways to help other staff members, you know, get into technology, those uh, more tech resistant teachers. It's all in here and it would be an excellent place to start for anyone in this role or, or for me who's been in the role for a couple of years now who's just trying to make it more effective. So, you know, you can find this really anywhere online um, in our show notes for episode 143. You can find a link to their um, their Amazon page to purchase a copy of this. You can see there that it's got a ton of ratings, excellent ratings, all the more evidence that it's worth your time. It's called The Complete EdTech Coach. That's one that I'm excited to read and check out. Uh, anytime an EdTech coach can gain a new strategy to work with teachers and find ways to incorporate EdTech tools into the classroom is, you know, all about it. I'm all about it. Yep. All right. So let's go into uh, two of mine. One is uh, ScreenPal. I just want to talk about another tool. Now, ScreenPal is Screencast-O-Matic. It's rebranded into ScreenPal. And uh, I, it's one of my all-time favorite EdTech tools because it does video extremely well and it allows you to edit very, very easily. And it has so many cool tools that you can bring into there. But one of the updates that I wanted to share real quick uh, with ScreenPal that I'm super excited to use this year is the ability to embed questions into your videos. So think Edpuzzle, but now you're able to take your own video at after you record it and you can go back and put in your own questions. Now, for me, what this does is it eliminates a step. I'm able to, instead of taking my ScreenPal video, which is personalized for my students, and then publishing it on YouTube, and then going over to Edpuzzle and uploading it there, uh, I could take the YouTube URL or I could just upload it to the site and then make my questions. Now I'm, I'm eliminating a step. I'm just doing it on ScreenPal, uh, putting the questions in and, and sending it out to my kids. They can answer it, and then I get feedback on that. It's a super easy process. So I wanted to give a big shout out to ScreenPal and the updates that they're doing with the video and all the rebranding uh, that they're doing over there. I think it's awesome work, and I'm a I'm a super fan of ScreenPal. So 
I'll continue to use those. And Nick, I know that you're a big fan of ScreenPal as well. ScreenPal is number one. I've always, we've always both pushed Screencast-O-Matic, and I've got to get used to the new name. I love the new name. But yeah, it's it's the best um, for, for me, and I think a lot of people need to jump more on board with it. Uh, this new update, embedding questions in the videos, is going to put it in a, in a whole different marketplace along with you know, of course, like the, the Ed Puzzles and, and the Wii videos who are all trying to branch out and do this sort of thing. Super pumped. Just another reason for me to keep loving Screen Pal. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up today. All right. And our next Ed Tech tool. Now, we we, we met up with, uh, with the, the guys that are behind uh, this next Ed Tech tool prior to, um, you know, ISTE. And we're, we're doing some work with them to because we see great value in this tool, especially it's kind of like a AI meets Newzella a little bit, I would say, uh, right now. And they're expanding on this. But this tool is called Diffit for teachers. Now, Diffit is an AI tool and it allows you to bring any type of document, PDF, any type of typing text into their AI tool. You copy, you paste it, put it in there, and then you're, you can choose uh, the reading level that you want it to go to. So if I want this uh, college level text to be put in high school uh, level reading level, uh, I could just copy and paste it, put it in there, and it's going to create basically that text over, but it's going to bring down the reading level to the reading level that I choose, whether it's high school, middle school, fifth grade, third grade, whatever it may be. All right. But if it was at ISTE, they didn't have a table, but what they did have was a lime green cooler, because that's their colors, uh, with some ice cream in it. And I thought it was a super big hit amongst the people there, because it was very hot. And they were just going around sharing their story, sharing their tool, and sharing some ice cream, and it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, but Diffit, we did present on Diffit's tool within our EdTech Throwdown, but it's just because we love this tool. As I said before, it was what I just described with it just uh, taking the reading level of text. Uh, it could also make uh, identify vocab words, pull those out, make note cards, make questions, Get like five different questions based on it, identify key points, summarize things. There's so many things that you could get it to do. But now there's some more updates and it's going to do more. So one of the things that we, we, we asked of Alex and Vlad, these are the two founders of Diffit, uh, we asked for length preference. And I know that they got this uh, from other educators, too, that know about Diffit, but set length preference for adapted text. So if we have something with 5,000 words and we want it to only be 2,000 words, can you give me a summary with just, you know, the 2,000 words that we're asking for at the reading level that we want? And they will. Uh, another new update is there's an optional answer key for questions. Before, there's just the questions and the options, but now there's an optional answer key. Uh, you can open these questions uh, with Google Forms. That's an update. That's a big one. That's awesome. Uh, you could adapt text to match overall structure, length of the original text. So before, when we uploaded these texts, 
uh, it would significantly cut down the length of the text. Now we can re request a shorter length or we could just have it as requested, whatever the summary is as requested. And so they're doing a lot of awesome things over there at Diffit. I cannot wait to get this uh, in the hands of our teachers. I think it's going to be a powerful tool, but shout out to Alex and Vlad. You guys are doing things right over there. Uh, they also have started a Facebook group. So if you go into Facebook and you search Diffit for teachers, it will pop up. I would strongly suggest you go add yourself there. A lot of teachers doing a lot of amazing things with Diffit. Yeah, thanks, guys, uh, especially for the ice cream at our um, at our presentation and, you know, just walking around as well. Super cool. It's, it's, an, it's an exciting tool. I can't wait to get more into it this coming school year. And I believe with that, I can begin our, our final three here. So our, our last three, they're kind of all over the place. The first one is called Lumio, L-U-M-I-O. I am fairly confident we've brought this up before a long time ago in a much older episode of Got Text. It's been so long. I, it's just like the vaguest hint of a memory, so I could be right or wrong about that. But, you know, regardless, we spent a good amount of time talking and checking out Lumio, and something about it really caught my eye. I think it I think it has a lot of power, and I want to take a closer look at it this year. It's a, it's a learning tool. Um, to me, honestly, what it reminded me of in the simplest form is like a series of Google Slides, so that's really what it is. It's like a slide deck and you can embed different learning experiences in each of those slides. Um, the difference being is that it's intended specifically as a teaching tool, whereas slides is more a presentation tool that teachers sort of have co-opted as a digital learning space. That's what Lumio's for. And because that's what it's for, it is meant for students to view and click through and sort of play around in. There's a lot more features um, the one that caught my eye as a science teacher is that you can actually embed simulations. If you are a science teacher, you probably know about a, another web website called, well, you know, we refer to it as FET, P-H-E-T, from the University of Colorado. It's science and math simulations. They're really great. I send kids there all the time to help get a sense of things that they can't experience in the real world. You can embed those simulations directly in Lumio. So, you know, if I'm putting together a, a 10 slide series, let's say, I don't have to have a link anymore where kids click it and go to um, this website to do the simulation. The simulation is right in the slide itself, which is just gonna be a little bit easier for the kids, a little more all in one place, um, which I always like that kind of stuff when everything is all in one place. They have everything else that would go along with it, like you know, questions, the kids answer questions, you get the feedback, all the typical things. Um, but the amount of different stuff that you can embed within these slides is really what caught my eye about Lumio. Um, looks like an awesome, awesome tool. So that is my first one. My second one, our, and our second to last one is called Stretch. Stretch, oddly enough, is a chatbot. Um, I forget. It might actually be it might actually use ChatGPT or at least the same technology as ChatGPT. Don't quote me on that. Um, so Stretch is supposed to be that. It's a, it's a ChatGPT, but it's one that is specifically for teachers. And what that means is that if you are worried about, and I know you and I have both heard this feedback from uh, educators that they don't like ChatGPT because 
it can give you wrong information and it can flat out make things up. And if you didn't know that about chat GPT, it, it does that. If you ask it a question that doesn't have information on, it will use the best information it does have to make stuff up. So it, and it will do that with confidence as if those things are true. Um, I was asking it about myself a little while ago just to see. So I was like, uh, what did I ask it? I said, can you tell me about uh, Nick Johnson, host of Got Tech, the podcast? And some of the stuff was right. It kind of described our show a little bit because there's lots of information on the Internet about our show. But a lot of the things about me, it just made up like it said I was from Hawaii and it said I was born in 1992 and just things that were completely false because that's part of how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to answer regardless of whether or not it's true or not. It just finds stuff to incorporate. Um, Stretch uses the same uh, sort of you know language models as ChatGPT, but it only pulls from approved information. It's actually, I think it's, um, ISTE is one of the organizations that selects the information that it can use. ISTE and the ASCD, which I'm not as familiar with, but these are educational groups that say, okay, these are the resources that Stretch can pull from, that it can use to generate its responses. And those sources are um, all research-based. They are uh, guaranteed to have quality information. So if you're worried about using a chat bot because it could give you false um, false information, then you might want to check out something like Stretch. Personally, I know I'm really glad to know that this exists so that when this concern comes up again, I can direct people to that as another option and just maybe even use it use it myself for, for things where I'm worried about it actually giving me good information. Um, so that is called Stretch. And let's see... Not sure about their exact website to share, but obviously just Google it and you'll be able to find them. And then last but not least, and I kind of wish that we had put this first because it's one of my favorite things. Um, Canva, of course, Canva for education, of course, but this time I'm not really talking about Canva for education as a tool. I'm talking about something that Canva is doing. And this is a program called, or an initiative, I guess, called the Education Creators. And what, it's, what Canva is doing is taking advantage of all the teachers that are creating things in Canva and allowing them to profit from that. Uh, so if you want to sign up for this, you can uh, Google Canva for Education Creator or click the link at the bottom of our show notes um, and, and enroll in this program. So the way it works is you're going to create a resource or something downloadable. Um, you upload it to the Canva library and then teachers all around the world can click and, and use that. And, you know, right now it's pretty new. So it's just some early adopters. Uh, but you actually get get paid for those clicks as as a Canva for education creator. They're essentially helping teachers be and get compensated for the designers that they are. Um, I have not enrolled myself in this yet, but it's at the top of my to do list because you and I both are making stuff on Canva all the time and, and why not share that? And it's really cool that um, Canva is sort of building in a way for teachers to get compensated for it. So it's called the Canva for Education Creator Program. And it's, I don't know if I can say it's my number one thing out of this whole list, but it's up there because I think it's just a really great idea and a great opportunity for teachers who are doing this type of work. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to check that one out. I think uh, at some point in time, I have to, you know, call myself probably good enough to get on something like that. I know I've come a long <laughs> way in the Canva realm and creating things, but I think